trending news right now. Good morning, Bongani. How are you? Hi, my apologies about that. I'm well, thanks. And how are you doing? I am fantastic. I'm fantastic this morning. Um, I want us to get straight into it, starting off with uh, uh, Dr. Joe Pasha, you know, who came out and uh, was speaking with regards to the vaccination process and how he wants to sort of speed up the process so that everybody can get vaccinated. And he's also got commentary with regards to men not wanting to be vaccinated. What is the social media conversation looking like? All right. So, Shayla, I'm not sure if, uh, you know, it's a connection problem. However, you're sounding very, very low. So now people between the ages of 18 to 34 might be able to get the COVID-19 vaccine sooner than planned. Now, you know, as things stand, those in the 18 to 34 cohort have to wait until the 1st of September before they can get the jab, right? Now, the health minister, Joe Parker, said they were speaking to cabinet in the bid to open up the uh, COVID-19 vaccine sites for all adults as early as this week. However, now, now, the conversation on social media is the fact that there is still a backlog of uh, folks that still, you know, are afraid of taking uh, uh, the vaccine. And seemingly, uh, you know, the Department of Health has seen the fact that, uh, you know, there's more male, uh, you know, uh, people in the country that are still not taking the vaccine. And obviously then that really is becoming, you know, a challenge. And what uh, the minister, you know, what Sheila mentioned is the fact that uh, it, it looks seemingly as when the, back in the day when HIV and AIDS was, was quite, uh, uh, you know, a thing uh, that, uh, you know, a lot of uh, male figures uh, didn't even, you know, try and get tested. And seemingly the trend is really just uh, taking a toll even now. Mm, I see, I see. Can you hear me now, Bongani? Yes, yes. Lovely, fantastic. Um, I think the first question I'd like to pose to you is, uh, why is it important for uh, everybody to be allowed to vaccinate, uh, particularly those who are 18 years of age moving up to 34? Obviously, uh, with uh, the information we've gathered with regards to the vaccine, yes, it doesn't prevent, uh, you know, uh, the uh, uh, the disease itself from catching you. However, it will sort of, uh, you know, uh, stop the the spread of the virus itself. However, Sheila, now there's so much happening that we've seen that after, you know, a lot of folks have taken this vaccine, then they succumb uh, to COVID-19 and lead to passing away. So Mm. obviously what I'm suspecting is the fact that they would love to keep the country open once everybody has been vaccinated. Now, I don't want to even dwell too much into, you know, the uh, conspiracy theories uh, regarding, uh, you know, population control, uh, regarding the fact that, uh, you know, there is is literally a card where uh, it's written of, of the thing that needs to be happening, uh, you know, due to population control and uh, how obviously then everyone will need to sort of produce some sort of a, of a card everywhere we go uh, with regards to, uh, you know, to have taken the vaccine. So I think the country at the moment, and I mean, in the entire world, we saw, we saw it in, in the, the USA where, you know, uh, they were saying that if you get vaccinated, then we're able to have the country open. However, it does still seem that when you are vaccinated, you will still succumb to the virus and... Of course, then at some point, then also pass away. I see, I see. And uh, as it stands, we are seeing that uh, 1st of September is the date in which was allocated for those who are between 18 and 34 years of age. However, what are your speculations around that in terms of the date coming closer than we expect? I'm not sure, Sheila. I'll tell you, I'm honestly, personally, still very, um, you know, skeptic uh, with regards to uh, taking the vaccine myself. 
Um, mm. I mean, I'd, I'll even tell you now, without any fear, that my parents still haven't taken, and these are people that uh, you know are over the, the age of 60, they still haven't taken the vaccine themselves because they've got underlying conditions, one. Second mm. of all, their peers are passing away immediately after taking this vaccine. So they're very still skeptic about it. They still don't want to take it. And I don't know how can one still convince them to go take it because they do have these underlying conditions, like I mentioned. And, and you know, I'm, I'm hoping that they don't succumb to, to the virus once taking the jab because um, they will soon be going as well taking it. And, I mean, I think what the minister is trying to get to is the fact that can at least, you know, let's, let's not wait for the 1st of September. Let's do it as soon as possible. Mm, I see. I see. And... Uh which is really interesting because you're tapping into our poll question for this morning, which is why do you or your loved ones not want to take the vaccine? Do you think that our elderly would be encouraged if they saw us do it first? And do you think that uh, is a good thing? Please repeat that for me. Um, in terms of the vaccine, uh, you mentioned how uh, your parents haven't taken the vaccine and you haven't taken the vaccine as yet, uh, specifically because there are underlying conditions involved and people are passing away. Um, what do you think it will take for you to be convinced such that you can convince your parents by taking the vaccine? Sure, Sheila, I don't know. I think what, you know, from what I picked up from them was the fact that, uh, you know, they will see as time goes, you know, how, how you know, how it treats other people as well. And uh, because people are still passing away after, you know, getting the jab, they're still, like I mentioned to you, very skeptic about it. And I think I'll be co- convinced perhaps once we as South Africans have uh, our own, you know, uh, vaccine. Uh, where we have uh, obviously produced our own and it's trialed and tested. Because at the moment, it seems that the trial and test is happening whilst we are going. And it is Mm. happening as it happens, you know, with people's lives, you know. I'm not against the vaccine. However, there are so many implications with it. Mm, I see. All right, let's move on to the next topic. That is Sandief. Uh, President Ramaphosa announces that 10,000 troops will remain deployed uh, to, to assist the police in keeping the law and order. And obviously, the budget of 255 million was placed for this. What is the conversation? Mm. So now, like you mentioned, the president has confirmed that he has extended the deployment of the South African National Defense Force to assist police fight crime and maintain law in the country. Uh, you know what? Now, uh, this is obviously from August the 13th to uh, September the 13th itself. Now, in a letter to the National Council of Province, John Posa says that the extension will, you know, affect 10,000 soldiers. Remember that last month, he authorized the deployment of about 25,000 members of the SANDF from July 12th to August the 12th. Now, uh, he mentioned that, the President Alvo, that the extension will amount to nearly 255 million, as you mentioned. Mm. Now, he says his letter to the NCOP will also be communicated to the Acting Speaker of the National Assembly, as well as the co-chairperson of the Joint Standing Committee of Defense. And obviously, uh, as you know, uh, the coming in Minister, uh, Ms. Tandi Morisa, as well. So, Sheila, obviously, now the conversation on social media, people are obviously two-sided with regards to this as to we are spending so much money. Where is the money coming from? People are still hungry out there. There's a yes. 350 rollout that's coming through, mm. uh, you know, and people are, are finding it ridiculous that we, you know, our, our you know, poverty-stricken uh, folks will be getting this 350. Uh, so uh, most of the conversation on Twitter is the fact that, uh, you know, why so much money being put out there? 
Mm. And what are your speculations with regards to how uh, the money is being put out? Like, what do you foresee happening in terms of the conversation from government to local? I'm still very scared. You know why? Because mm. um, now there's news that came out yesterday that uh, first and foremost, there's several uh, national and provincial departments that are still owing the SANDF about 130 million rands, right? Now, mm. Defense and Military Defense Minister Tandi Morisa revealed uh, that, uh, you know, Department of Correctional Services, uh, you know, uh, the uh, uh, obviously uh, Department of Health, uh, Housing Department of Health, Department of Military, that the public, uh, uh, you know, etc., etc., they are owing obviously about 130 million. So, I'm not so certain how it's going to be to be working. I, I don't want to comment on it so much because seemingly mm. it, it, it becomes really a sensitive issue when it comes to money at the moment in the country. We've seen looting of the money happening in you know uh, in politics in the government itself, and 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 so. The conversation, you know, is uh, why do we need, you know, to have military still on, on, you know, on on the streets? Uh, however, now it's it's a matter of uh, obviously, you know, the country and the government try still trying to be safe by all means because they they're scared that in KZN and in Houting as a whole that the looting might still scourge. And mm. so uh, I, I really not sure about it. And do you think this move means that the police uh, is still not ready to carry out their duty in the affected areas, as you have mentioned? Mm. And, and I'll tell you one thing. I spoke to one uh, of, uh, I was stopped on the road by a JMPD official, and he said to me, you know what, as JMPD officials, we are not trained to deal with what's happening right now, uh, you know, with regards to, uh, this was back when the looting was happening a few weeks ago. Mm. And he mentioned to me that, you know, we are told to go there, but we are not trained for that. We are trained to stop people in the road, to check license discs, to change, you know, license. The cops themselves yes. are taught to arrest folks. The FANDF is then, you know, itself taught to uh, shoot to kill type of, uh, you know, uh, uh, mentality. Mm. But now it seems that the coming weeks, I'm hoping, Shayla, that there's not going to be something right happening in the country that will obviously lead to the military killing a lot of our people. Mm. All right. Um, let's move on to some exciting news. Uh, this one was postponed. Uh, the Tokyo Paralympics supposed to happen in 2020, but now it is finally taking place in 2021. Um, excite us with the conversation. What's happening there? Now, exciting, as you've mentioned, the number of athletes selected in less uh, compared to the 2016 Rio de Janeiro Games, where South Africa sent about 45 athletes in uh, 10 sporting codes. Now, the Rio squad brought home 17 medals, uh, 7 gold, 6 silvers, and 4 bronze medals uh, when it happened in 2016. Now, the Paralympic Games, I beg your pardon, will start on the 24th of August and end on the 5th of September. Obviously, Team SA, you know, has chosen, and uh, the Team SA, uh, you know, chef, uh, the mission for the Tokyo 2020 Paralympics uh, is uh, Leon Flazer, who will be chairing it. He mentioned in a quote, and I quote, it's a great honor and privilege for me from a logistical sense. Things have been going well, and we're very excited at the prospect of going to Tokyo and doing the country proud. The athletes come first, and with the team support staff, we're we are hoping to have it as a memorable experience for them, he mentioned, right? Mm. Now, Sheila, 
here's a very important, you know, aspect to look at to be considered for the South African power athletics team heading to Tokyo. It's necessary to tick the following boxes for South Africans that really want to find out how, you know, our power Olympians are really chosen. Now, an athlete must complete the SASAPD National Championship in the year of the team being selected for absence due uh, to medical reasons. A medical certificate must be supplied, right? And uh, the second one becoming a top rank will not be an automatic qualification if selection criteria are not met. Mm. Thirdly, the athlete must be in good standing with the SASAPD, the SASCOC, their club and province. Lastly, uh, I think uh, two more points uh, that uh, must hold a International Paralympic, uh, Paralympic Committee license for the 2021 calendar year. License fee must also be fully paid. So really quite exciting to be obviously having, you know, our uh, uh, really, uh, you know, uh, athletes going in. Most definitely. I think uh, given the fact that we want to keep in high spirits, tell us more about who we should be looking out for as medal contenders. Ndando Masangu is going to be representing us. Mpumelelo Msongo is also going to be representing us. Uh, in table tennis, actually, Kotaso Munchane is also going to be there just to uh, mention a few. So, uh, and assumingly that most of uh, you know our, our people that are going to be re- representing us have done so well themselves when it comes into you know the country and just uh, uh, playing Olympics uh, you know themselves. And then assumingly, you know, from reading their biographies, that they've done so well for themselves and. Uh, they're really also themselves looking forward to representing South Africa in Tokyo. Lovely. I think I want to put you on the spot with this one. Last question uh, with regards to uh, the Tokyo Paralympics. Given the fact that you, you understand the characters that are going to be there and their capabilities, what do you reckon will be our metal scoring? How many metals do you think we can bring home? I am hoping for at least because you know in 2016 then uh, you know we 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 had about uh, you know uh, um, we had about we had about 45 mm-hmm. you know and yes. we, I mean we came up with 17 medals seven mm. gold six silvers and four bronze mm. so maybe let's see if we can go for 25 I'm really 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 excited about this so let's see if we can go for 25 perhaps 10 golds this time <laughs> and maybe 10 silver and 10 bronze I don't know but I mean you know for me it seems that it's going to be quite uh, you know a, a stunning one and I really can't wait I'm really excited Yes, and the last trend on social media that had been making the rounds for quite a few, uh, not particularly this trend, however, uh, the four artists who had passed away in a horrific accident. I know that the last hashtag was Ampura's funeral. Tell us about that conversation. Mm. Now, Sheila, obviously, uh, you know, quite uh, sad that you have lost, uh, you know, I'm a piano um, legends as young as they were uh, through a car crash. Yes. And I think uh, before I even start off with this, I just want to uh, let out there to young people in the country, young people in South Africa, artists as a whole, to say that, you know what, folks, when you're exhausted, and I know at the moment we are going through a lot with regards to the lockdown, and we are not, uh, you know, getting enough with regards to gigs. However, if you are feeling exhausted, rest. If you mm. can't make it to the next gig, let them know that you're going to be running late or something is happening. Because seemingly that this accident happened, you know, just after the curfew. Yes. Uh, then it, 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 you know, because, and they were going to another gig. So you mm. ask yourself so many questions whether then did they know that, uh, you know, they were not supposed to be on the road during that time? And how are they going to the next gig when curfew time has already kicked in, you know? So just uh, really, you know, um, just 
a wake-up call to really young South African folks that drinking and driving could be, I'm not saying that that's the case. However, yes. that could be perhaps one factor. However, now another thing is that when you are exhausted, park on the side of the road, let the people know where you're going that you might be late. Now, Sheila, obviously, Mbura was then laid to rest, uh, you know, uh, obviously on Tuesday, that is yesterday, yes. uh, with uh, Kilakao being put to rest on Sunday. Mm. Uh, the conversation on Twitter becoming, you know, the wearing of masks and just, uh, you know, it, the funerals becoming super spreaders. However, the saddest thing that had happened yesterday was when Lady Lou um, went to stage, Lady Lou is a first-hand female DJ that was friends to Mbura and spoke out. Now, she spoke out about a lot on how, you know, how... They were always together as a brother and a sister, and how they mm. produced music as a brother and sister, right? And Buddha's mom couldn't even hold her tears back. You could hear in the audio, mm. or in the watching, you know, obviously it was broadcast, you know, virtually. You could hear from the audio that she can't take it. She can't take having lost her son. You can only imagine how it feels as a mom having you have lost someone like, you know, your son. Ricky Rick also spoke, you know, was on stage and he spoke largely about uh, just the industry and how Mbura was as well. The little brother couldn't hold his tears as well on stage. It mm. really was hot felt. You know, I'm getting goosebumps as well just uh, talking about it. You and I both, uh, you and I both. I think the one thing that you had said is that, you know, uh, the likes of Kilakao and Pura really contributed heavily to uh, the arts and culture industry in South Africa, particularly in entertainment. However, there was no representation by the Department of Arts and Culture. What message do you think that sends to young creatives? You know... Yeah, there's so much that is happening right now with the Department of Arts and Culture. And mm. it seems that there's a minister that's been put there and has been told what to do and what not to do. And he himself can't say much, you know, because, you know, mm. as, as artists, I mean, I'll tell you now, we, uh, and I'm not going to go deep into it. Yes. I know artists that are getting funding from the UK at the moment, and they have been since last year. They are getting mm. close to 15,000 rands. And... This funding is funding for the arts and culture. However, I think there's a lot of South African artists that were able to then apply for that. And monthly, since the start of lockdown last year, they have been getting close to 15,000 rands each month. Sure. What is it that our you know, uh, uh, minister and our department of arts and culture, what is it that they can't do for us as artists to be able to at least see how they can help us out? You know, with regards to having the lockdown, uh, with regards to not having gigs, with regards to having the 50% capacity. Yes. Now, however, um, just coming back to, to the situation at the moment, um, I'm not so certain why they were not present at the funeral. And, uh, you know, I, I, I wish that they, they could then let out, let out a statement and let us in on what really is happening. Mm, wow. Um, thank you so much for your time, Bongani. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you, Sheila, and God bless.